Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. On behalf of myself and all the listeners, it's so lovely to have a little nose blow there to Sorry. kick off proceedings. What is wrong with me? It's a bit like... I'm like a monster. It's not that you're like a monster. It's like you've been like raised like Tarzan. <laughs> like you've been a boy <laughs> raised by animals and not by humans. You don't understand the social conventions. I'm such a creature. A savage. Yeah, I am a little like a savage. I wonder if most people who listen to this podcast are sat down or moving. I bet they're mostly moving. Do you think? I as think it's as div- in on the go or like moving around the kitchen. Well, this is my whole point. I don't think anyone is listening to this podcast just sat down. Maybe on a plane mm, or a fast train. train. That was bad. Really? It sounded humiliating in my in my headphones. Oh, it sounded all right without the headphones. Oh, <laughs> Maybe that's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to do a, would it be a bittersweet welcome? Because we're so pleased to see everyone, but this is, this is, this is the end. Well, but you, it's, it's, it's Abiento, isn't it? Because it's we... Abiento. Here's the thing. Do you want to talk about this now? Yes. Is now the right time? I think so. So I think without question, we will come back and we will do this again for season four. We've been very happy with how this has gone. We've loved speaking to all of you and hearing from all of you. And we, we want to go out gracefully. And we feel like talking about another show isn't going to be right for us. So we're not going to do it because it's going to be tacky. There isn't a show like it. No, there isn't a show like it. There's nothing. So I think we will go back and do seasons one and two, but not in the same way. Because you can't... You, th- we, we, when you know what's coming... When you, you know what's coming... It has to be structured very differently. So we need to take some time to figure out how to do season one and two in the right way. So it's not like we're going to be back on the 10th of January watching season one. That's not going to happen. But at some point in the next year, we will cover seasons one and two, but only when we figured out how to do it well. And also, we don't want to shoot our load too quickly, do we? No, Because I think there's going to be a long wait for the next series of Succession. I really do. I, I, I am braced for the middle of 2023. In fact, I might be braced for autumn of 2023, thinking about it. It's so interesting. You know, a thing that I've been thinking about so much since we spoke to Jesse is um, what has he been doing, like, work-wise? What has his last two months looked like? Does he now walk around Brixton and think of just think about stuff and 
read stuff and read his poetry books and like what right this is his whole thing is like he kind of needs to shut off from all the noise around the show and maybe dip his cute little toe in the water here and there if he had been writing just a a diary not about his feelings but the logistics of it's monday i woke up i did my cold water swimming i tony and i had a chat about that like just i find nothing more interesting than than knowing the minutiae of somebody's daily routine oh i know me too i just like love knowing what time they wake up how long before they get out of bed, whether they wander around without clothes on or with a dress straight away, what they're eating. What families, if any, do you think we know who are as nudie duty as we are? We exist at a level of nudity that I would associate with like hippies. (laughs) We are as nude as it's possible to be without crossing the line into being a naturist. And going on holiday to those camps. I think you're making me sound more nudie than I am. You're quite nudie. Anyway, where do we, we get to, Jesse? Well, um, we were so we spoke a little bit about Jesse, and then we were sort of talking about our plans moving forward. So those are our plans. Now, um, I just had a, a couple of things before we get into it. We have loved doing this podcast so much, and we're incredibly grateful to you for listening to it, especially if you stick around for the sprinkles episodes. And the response, I've never had an email response like it. Now, I'm not talking in terms of quantity, because I found doing a live radio show where, for example, I am interviewing a refugee, Mm -hmm. where they're talking very movingly about their hope for asylum in this country. Uh You'll be inundated (gasps) with messages from people saying, send them back or let them drown. Uh So... So, 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 there are things I've done that where I've had more more a, a quantity of response, depressing as that is. But in terms of the response we've had and how brilliant the email has been and how people get succession and think about it in the same way as we do. And we go through this email box and it's it's, it's an embarrassment of riches. I've, I've never seen anything like that. And, it's, it's and you've really, been doing this for a while. For a long, long time, yeah, yeah. So that was the first thing. And then... We saw a bit of that as well when we did the live show in London mm. on Sunday. There, there was a moment on stage where we thought we would let the people know who turned up our secret, which was that we'd managed to get Jesse Armstrong for an right. interview. And people were so excited, yeah. both because they got to listen to it, but I think excited for us that this it unlikely like improbable all, thing. It was like they were all our mom. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's meant a lot to us, that. So much. That response. And I specifically wanted to mention Joanne. Now, what is Joanne's... Fucking whirlybird? Fucking whirlybird. After the show, they let us know that something had been left for us. And it was a gift from fucking whirlybird. Fucking whirlybird. And firstly, that, that anybody would leave a gift. I mean, really, that's... I think I know what you're going to say next. Go on. The tastefulness of this gift. Yes, Fucking Whirlybird had these notebooks made for us that looked like, I don't know if they sort of look a bit like Penguin Classics or something like that. They're just gorgeous. And they are uh, notebooks, but they look like novels. One is Sandwiches of Sarajevo by Carl Muller. Brilliant. <laughs> and the other one is Rockstar and Mole Woman, Our Story by Jerry Kelman and Roman Roy. And they're just beautiful. And that fucking Whirlybird took the time to do that. 
I, I th- so what else are the rest of you going to send us? Yeah, what, what we're saying is she set the bar very high. What do we get for Christmas, <laughs> motherfuckers? Yeah, because I'll, I'll be honest, it was great getting this, but I, I thought we'd be inundated by this yeah, point. Yeah, it made you think, I want yeah, more. Yeah, yeah. We loved them fucky whirly bird, and you are our favourite child. Yeah, so thank you. And, and thank you to everybody who came along to the live show, which you'll be able to hear in the next few days. Oh, in the next few days, really? Are you putting it up before Christmas? I don't know, probably. Okay. Um, Rebecca Taylor was amazing. Oh, she's so funny. She's brilliant. And the woman. Oh, I want to, I have to tell you something. She and I have been talking about if we could ever do a podcast together and then what would it be? And we've decided that possibly the idea could be. Because she was talking at the live show about, she's like, I need to warn you about some shit. She's like, have you met Jesse Armstrong before? I was like, no, 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 never. I'm like so nervous and so excited. She's like, oh, okay, I'm, I like was at a party with him once. I'm prepping you. He's very sexy. Consider yourself warned. So we interviewed him. I found him very attractive. She texted me later that day, are you pregnant yet? <laughs> Which is such a funny, and I was like, oh, yes. And then I said some gross stuff. And then I was like, I think this is our, what if our podcast is, you know, people do these podcasts that are about people on a journey. Is it your journey through the perimenopause and beyond? <laughs> <laughs> no sexier than that. It's it's Rebecca and I both seeking permission from our respective partners to try and have sex with Jesse Armstrong, who also needs permission from his wife. And himself. Yeah. I guess I, I guess I just assume that he would fuck Rebecca Taylor if he had permission. Me, less likely. <laughs> and that could be the podcast. And she's like, oh, yes, that is our podcast. <laughs> Do you think ACAST would like to produce that? <laughs> Who would sponsor us? Maybe like some pepper spray. <laughs> is this assault? I think, the, I think it's like the Jerry Roman thing. I think that the power dynamic is even enough that it isn't assaulting Jesse Armstrong. Is that the name is? of the podcast, Assaulting <laughs> Jesse Armstrong? Anyway, Rebecca was brilliant on the live show. You'll be able to hear it soon. There are moments that you won't hear that only existed in the moment and on people's camera phones, including Sarah and Rebecca doing a rendition of L to the OG and my attempt at Billy Joel's honesty. But apart from that, I think you'll get a, a the pretty, bulk of it. pretty much the bulk of the uh, live show. Apart from the lengthy description of when the interval would be and for how long. Did I embarrass myself with that? Never. All right. Shall we delve? Let's delve. Our first email comes from Nathaniel Melman, a.k.a. Hans Christian Anderfuck. I want to say Nate, one Jew to another. I thought it would be funny to give a Jew the name Hans Christian Anderfuck. (laughs) Dear Norm and Fire, there were two big decisions made in this finale episode, and they were both made by people being reminded of their younger selves. Number one, the scene with Logan and Matson. You've talked about it in previous episodes and especially this one. Logan has disdain for his children because they grew up as billionaires. They aren't self-made like Logan is. My guess is that around 40 or 50 years ago, Logan was the up-and-coming entrepreneur that had all the new ideas and was eating up the gentle giant smelling of milk and gold because they and their businesses were just too fucking old. The next thing he knows, it's the present, and it turns out that Waystar Royco has become the gentle giant, that itself is too fucking old. Matson is the opposite of Kendall Shiv and Robin. 
He's self-made. He's a killer. He's ahead of the game, just like Logan used to be. Logan thinks that if he were a younger man in 2021, he'd be Matson rather than his own spoiled, spoon-fed children who don't have original business thoughts. Matson is the son Logan wishes he had, and that's what convinces him that he's who can take over Waystar Royco. That all sounds said. like really well written and, and excellently expressed. I think when Logan talked about gentle giants smelling of milk and gold, he was talking about the American public, the mindset of a country that he was then able to tap into and get very rich off of, rather than his his peers in business and industry. Ah, that makes sense, because a few people wrote in saying... It doesn't make sense to me, the idea of certain kind of businessmen as milk and no, gold. No, I think he's talking about... Milk and gold is America. Yeah. Oh, is it, isn't there a moment where, where Logan goes, America? Yeah, that's what he, yeah, that's, yeah, that's what yeah. he says. The, I mean, the you know, writing in this so episode. It was so interesting. I, uh, there, I mean, there, there were so many things about our, our interview with Jesse that were interesting, but, but that, that the thing he can... He can do repeat exposure to his poetry. Mm. And I see that I see that in his writing with something like that. Yeah. Okay. Also, I love Matson. Yeah. I was like the I was a holdout on Matson. He didn't punch me in his first appearance. And then in this second one, holy shit, did you come through? I think I just unconditionally love a Swede. You do. You unconditionally love a Swede. And yet, interestingly, kind of like all your Swedish friends. It, it speaks well of Sweden as a nation, I think. I know. Also, I find that I can be myself. I feel like my personality comes alive in Sweden. Yeah, it does. Your personality comes alive in Sweden. It's like I land at Arlander Airport in Stockholm. And you and become... The person what, that I was what, always meant to be. Whatever it was that alcohol was doing for you. <laughs> and, you know, it was ruinous. So you couldn't... But I imagine that when you, you know, you used it as a social lubricant and you were therefore in some ways an easier person to be around before you were catastrophically horrendous to be around. And it's like, it's just you. It's your yeah. essence. Oh, I've got to get onto the next part of this email. So we're on this idea to remind everyone of of characters seeing a younger version of themselves. Number two, later on, when Tom takes Shiv's call, I don't think he's made his mind up to screw her over yet. He's undecided. Enter Greg. Absolutely delighted that he's talking to an heiress well above Greg's own station. We haven't seen it, but I imagine that when Tom met an heiress well above his own station, he was absolutely delighted and couldn't get over the possibilities presented by Shiv Roy. The joy and excitement that Greg feels about talking to the Contessa reminds Tom of that joy he initially felt when he met and started dating Shiv. But now look at him. Shiv was a symbol of hope and longing for Tom, but somehow now she's just a source of anguish. And now our wait for season four begins. Fuck off, Nathaniel, a.k.a. Hans Christian Ander. Fuck. That's brilliant. I loved it. I loved thinking thinking about it in those ways. And that really explains why Tom was so triggered. Yes, I think, you know, and we got a lot of email about Tom and what went on and what the breaking point was. And I think, like, as is true in life, Anyone who makes a huge decision, there have been a million steps along the way to lead you there. It's one of the things that I have come to understand about this show It is that it's not about the straw that breaks the camel's back. It's about watching all the other straws go on. Mm-hmm. This comes from Eleanor Magson. A.K.A. Tommy Tits. Dearest FC and NC, 
I can't even begin to discuss the actual episode because I am too outraged at the betrayal. (laughs) However, I have a lot of thoughts about season four and the is Shiv pregnant theories. I think it's unlikely she'll be pregnant at all. Uh, It seems too obvious with the conversations and the stomach touching and a little too soap opery for her to somehow get pregnant while she's on contraception. But if I indulge it, I really think what we won't see is a baby. Can you imagine them putting Sarah Snook in a nine-month fake pregnancy pad? What I can completely imagine is her aborting Tom's baby Mm. and revealing this to him in an attempt to get back at him for his betrayal. I can see her telling him in a cruelly vicious way, but also, why should she have a child she doesn't want? It would be interesting considering the ongoing debate over reproductive rights in the US. I also think Tom was plotting this longer than the last episode. They've done a good job of making Tom sympathetic this season, and this felt like a record scratch to remind us he can be just as conniving and as brutal as Mm. everybody else. Best wishes, lesbian Shiv fan number one, a.k.a. Eleanor Magson, a.k.a. Tommy Tits. P.S. I agreed with my fellow queer correspondent that the Shiv dancing didn't put me off, but the cheating at Monopoly would probably have been the line for me in real life. So interesting. I So I, my take on Tom was a little different. I don't think... First of all, I, I loved this email, um, Tommy Tits, so much that I read um, part of it to Jeff aloud on the sofa last night being like, listen to this great email. I feel the need to say that before I criticize one of the theories. Or it's not even a criticism, it's a disagreement. I just, to me, Tom isn't as conniving. He is conniving, but I think if Tom, what, I do think that Tom wants a real marriage. I think that's how Matthew McFadden plays him. And that he does not want to be, he wants to be, climbing up the ladder. He is with Shiv in part because of power, but it, he also wants a good marriage and loves his wife. And it was just going, she, she doesn't fucking love me. Mm. What the fuck am I doing? And him knowing that somehow the way that Ken can get fucked, Shiv can get fucked. And oh, she yeah. is not ready for this shit she's trying to pull. Yeah. Um. All right. Tommy Tits, thank you for your email. I really, I really loved the detail about cheating at Monopoly as your bottom line. This next one is from Becky Clark, a.k.a. Little Rat Fucker. Dear FCNNC, I had to write in to defend Jerry. And I, I wanted to say, um, I Becky Clark, we got a lot of emails on this topic. So I thought this needs to be addressed. I had to write in to defend Jerry as I saw her admittedly crushing statement to Roman in the finale a little differently. All season, we've seen Jerry try to establish some boundaries with Roman. She brushes him off in the hotel. She tells him she's dating other men. And finally, she asks him to stop sending her the quote-unquote items. Obviously, Roman isn't capable of respecting boundaries or regulating his feelings in general. Hence, dick pick gate. I completely agree with FC, thank you, that his behavior isn't harassment since the power dynamic is complicated, but it still puts Jerry in a bad position since she would probably be the one to bear the repercussions if, when, their sexual relationship comes to light. After all, Logan's first impulse after receiving the dick pic is to fire her, and he doesn't even know the full extent of the situation, which means there could still be fallout to come. No pun intended. 
Jerry would have dealt with all kinds of bad male behavior throughout her career. Yes, totally, right? And here she is still dealing with it at the peak of her power. The dick pic is the last straw, a humiliating reminder that she has made herself vulnerable to an erratic and impulsive person. Once the Gojo deal is materializing, I think she felt she was out of options. Whereas if the picture incident hadn't happened, it's possible to imagine her strategizing with Roman over how to make the deal work to their mutual advantage. The last scene was brutal to watch and I may have cried like Jeff, but I still got where she was coming from. I will sorely miss both the show and the podcast while we wait for the next season. I wonder if we listeners might convince you to cover the first two seasons retroactively, as we've already discussed. It would make me the happiest woman slash most bulletproof candidate in the world. (laughs) All the best, Becky, a.k.a. Little Ratfucker. Now, I wanted to say, so what I thought was interesting, I, I didn't take this initially from watching that last scene, But a few of our emails addressed it, and then I saw some Twitter stuff about it, that actually, when Jerry is saying, it's not in my interest, how is this in my interest? It was almost like a coded message to Roman, where she was like, she was trying to say to him, essentially like, I care for you, but I cannot say that to you, that she was, that, that what Jay Smith Cameron was doing with an acting decision was trying to convey how hard it was for her to do this it's real roman what has been between us is real my affection for you and my wanting to protect you is real but i cannot say that to you now so look at my eyes there is pain in my eyes when i say you when i say to you i have to protect what, what what's in it for me so someone tweeted that, some some very articulate version of the mess of what I just expressed. And then J. Smith Cameron herself commented, spot on. Oh, my God. I mean, even in your garbled version of it, I could feel myself feeling teary at that that interpretation of it. And I and and Jay Smith herself said spot on that wow. Jay Smith is going, of course, there. it wasn't just wow. like, sorry, I'm a cold hearted bitch. This is my bottom line. It is real. It was real. But understand. But you have to understand the position I'm in. Pretty. Oh, good, that right? has given me a Christmas glow. <laughs> well, your Christmas glow <laughs> involves you getting teary-eyed. Oh, oh, I'm so so pleased. Well, but what does it mean if if um, Kieran Roman can't can't feel it in his little heart? It means that their love light is still burning. Okay, that's nice. This is from Elaine Thompson. A.K.A. A hard drive full of dicks. Hey, Crutch and Core. I am re-watching the last episode. Subtitles on because I agree with Mr. Badil. I can't keep up with the pace of modern speech stroke life. They're playing Monopoly. Logan calls Jerry. She flomps off. That was the verb you were looking for. It was flomp. a flomp. She does a flomp. All caps. Tom quits the game and gets up. Caps lock off. To go and do the Forbes thing. But did he? Or has he been a sneaky sneakster all along? Caps lock back on. Your thoughts, please. Fuck off. This is, I wanted to include this because I thought we we did not talk about that. That, that he goes off to do this Forbes interview. 
And I just was giving us a space to, I had no thoughts on it. This is the kind of stuff you have a better brain for than I do. I didn't read any significance into that. I thought he was going off to do a Forbes interview. and we even, Oh, we... I did as well. I think he is also going off to do a Forbes interview. I think he must have just had it scheduled for a certain time and that time approached and he had to get out of the game of but Monopoly. what are we, what, what is Jesse thinking by putting that in there for us? I think what it's there to do is to show that Tom's professional stock uh-huh. is on the rise uh-huh. because of this ATN citizens thing, which I, I didn't quite know what it was, but it's some kind of social network perhaps okay. where people get to spout, turn on the bigot spigot. The bigot spigot. Oh my God. Um, so I think it was there to show us that Tom is on the up professionally, that he's not just a hapless guy who happens to be married to a Roy, that he's making ATN work. I think there's also something in the contrast of the the way that the media, i.e. Forbes, will cover Tom because he is in in business. He is at ATN and he's doing something, as awful as that might be, versus Kendall having nothing going on and begging Vanity Fair to do something with him because he's had his moment and now it's over Mm. and he's not continuing to do anything. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. I really like it. Our next email is from Janine Corman a.k.a. The Dance of the Sugar Plum Failure. Dear Firecrotch and Normcore, let me start by saying, and listen, sometimes, and this is the thing I've learned from you, is that you edit you edit out the compliments from listeners, right? Because it's obnoxious if you just read out all the stuff that's like, we love your podcast. We love reading it. But if then we read it back out to people, we look like knobs. Right. But we've had a couple of compliments I've included because I thought they were expressed in a way that was funny. Okay. And then a little bit people get to hear about how amazing (laughs) we are. Okay. So, dear Firecratch and Normcore, let me start by saying that although I don't know the two of you at all, I was so fucking proud of you for that stellar interview with Jesse Armstrong. Thank you, Dance of the Sugar Plum Playlier. You represented all of us and our PIs so wonderfully to the point that you may actually be RP now. At least in Jesse's eyes. Can you imagine? Can you even imagine? I have had it occasionally where I've interviewed somebody and thought... We could be friends. Yeah, I, I, I think I think we had a click there. I wonder if I'll hear from them. But and, this is... And, and you don't. You, you don't. You don't. And then I think there are those people who do your job and then kind of like pursue friendships. And then I think that they're like celebs who are sort of broken enough, if I may say, as people that they then want to befriend their fans. It's just there's no good way to get into it is the issue, you know, because if you're the person, if you're the low status person and you pursue that person, that's fucking weird. If you're the high status person and you're interested in a friendship with the fan, I don't know. I just don't, I just think you have to look at each other from across this divide and go in another life, baby, at another life. What if it happened organically? How could it happen organically? You don a disguise. Yes. Harriet the spy style. Can it involve a wig? Yes, it can. Great. Because that would help you with some of your other oh my issues. God, I really... Oh, listen, if anyone knows anything about wigs, I'm very upset about my hair. And I don't know what to do about it anymore. And I wonder if I should start wearing some very high class wigs. Like that it doesn't look like I'm in a wig. It's just like, why does Sarah look amazing? Do you know anything about that? Can you help me? Continue. From a distance. From a distance. Okay. You uh, you, you 
collect data on Jesse's routines. Oh. You This is gonna ask something of my acting that I can't do. You um you 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 observe his regular haunts, where he might uh, go shopping, uh, where he might go for a cup of tea. Dun 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 dun. dun after we have data, mm-hmm. we we can then start spending time in those places. Bump into him. No, it won't work. It's too weird. I won't be able to behave normally. Now that we're you. Well, I can't behave normally even in a regular social yeah, interaction. Yeah, you don't have the physical fluency you don't whatever it is physically that someone would need to be a spy you don't have that now i have that bum 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 but i can be a little creepy creepster yeah no but you you i could creep around brixton but but you're thinking of the physicality of a spy uh-huh being like a spy from a silent film with exaggerated <laughs> physicality i do have exaggerated physicality. or like inspector gadget or something yes i am picturing myself like an inspector gadget so i am not sure that that is the, the least right conspicuous way. <laughs> way to be really become a spy outside of a cartoon okay i gotta get back into um dance of the sugar from playlier's emails yeah yeah okay so She continues, I could talk for hours about the finale in the entire season, but I will limit this email to just two thoughts that I think have not yet been discussed. Number one, hashtag justice for Comfrey. Well. Well, here we go. You've got the wrong audience in Sarah No, but, but obviously I'm the one that decided on this email. So, I am deeply saddened by how easily Greg can toss aside the girl that he has been pining for all season. Sure, Comfrey seems a wee bit vapid. I can never really tell what was going on behind those amazing false eyelashes. Yeah, she, she's got real um doe, doe eyes if you have the hiccups. But the way that she opened up to Greg at Kendall's birthday party and the fact that she saved Kendall from a humiliating death by misadventure, quote unquote, and then stayed at the, at the hospital the entire night. Why weren't you with her, Greg? Were you too busy trying out a new vegan kefir drink with the Contessa? <laughs> or were you shopping for those pretentious sunglasses? <laughs> Anyhow, I hope we still get to see more of her. I think she would make a great personal assistant for Shiv. After that strong case, you're not still not seeing the competence in Comfrey. This is it's it's a very interesting question to me. Comfrey's competence. Is is there a thread? I'm not saying it's a major thread, but is there a thread in this show of people towards the bottom of the ladder being highly competent and the people at the top being less so? Jess, Colin, Comfrey. It's it's not a moral thing either because Jess is out making sure an addict has got his drugs. Colin is covering up the death of a boy for a billionaire's purposes and Comfrey worked in PR. All those things are as bad as each other. I want to think about this differently. My question is, is Comfrey a Colin? And I don't know. You know what I was just thinking about this show and like why it's so amazing is that what we all want to do is bitch about our friends constantly with everyone else. But we can't do it because they're our friends and... Yeah, yeah, you can't get caught. But because these people are, it's like they're sort of all our friends and our family now. And we're just allowed to like rip into them. (laughs) And I think it's such a satisfying feeling. And I think that's part of what goes on with us all is we're just sat obsessing about these people that don't exist. It's like the freedom it gives us to this, to use a certain human impulse because they're not real. Um, okay. 
Number two, I think season four is going to dive deep into politics. I think Roman will hitch an even thicker harness to Jared Menken. And when the time comes to make a real power play, who will he push to be the candidate's running mate? Conheads, your moment has come. That's right. Menken Roy, 2024. And please give me a Connor and Willa wedding. I can't decide if I would like to see a hippy-dippy Laurel Canyon rustic shabby chic affair <laughs> or have Connor, have Connor book the Palace of Versailles. Either would be glorious. Again, even though I do not know you, I will miss the two of you considerably. It took approximately two minutes listening to your banter to recognize that you were my people. And I love you for that, even though you don't love me. I know you do love me, even though you don't love me. Yours truly, Janine Corman, a.k.a. The Dance of the Sugar Plum Failure. Unless that is not my name. Is that my name? I defer to the fire crotch. Listen, Janine, I do love you. And I do love you. And I thank you for this glorious email. I could love you. And I have any number of other positive feelings towards you. But much is the same with the word sorry. I, I, I really... If, if I use love, I want to mean it. That's sweet. Okay, next. Claire Zane. A.K.A. Beefy Logan Voodoo. We've heard from Claire before. What are you shoveling into your mouth there? I feel like I'm being like Jesse. It's a, a baked good that you got me from across the road. Oh, my goodness. It was a Greek tragedy. A play set all on one day with an absolute massacre at the end. There's so much to pack in this week. Let's just deep dive into the food. Number one, why the hell would Marsha want an omelette in goddamn Tuscany? Surely what she meant was, just bring me a selection of those incredible canapes and the antipasti. Oh, and some of that fresh pasta. What was that? The omelette. It was such an interesting detail. What does omelette say? I want whatever I want when I want it. Does it communicate some kind of disdain? I'll have my food, thanks. Not theirs. Yep, maybe. An omelette. An omelette. I'm still trying to figure out what dramatic agency Marsha had in that episode. I wish I'd used a longer sentence because I'm not giving you enough time to swallow that bit of scone that you are currently masticating. Hold on. Just while you're finishing that, um, this week, for one reason or other, I was looking back at the Austerlitz episode and there's this Which one is Austerlitz when they go to Connor's house in the desert oh I wonder why it's called Austerlitz that's well uh, Austerlitz is some battle or a location in Napoleonic history oh <laughs> okay. and, and and there's a bit where I think it's Tom Willa and Marsha just sitting around chatting the comedy is amazing in it because she says to Willa, I have a friend who uh, does, what you, does what you do in Paris. And, and Willa's kind of um, writing or acting. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> like the sex work. Yeah, the brush. And the, the, I think she, she was murdered, but it was not about her work. It was about involvement in a restaurant. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> it's, so, it's so good. Oh and there's God. a bit, actually, um, Marsha says, she was very clever. And Willa goes, oh, thank you. <laughs> it's such a brilliant oh, moment as well. I'm mangling, the, I'm mangling that whole scene. This is the stuff where it makes me think I, I, like I'm ready to, yeah. I'm ready to rewatch season. But it's just, just like, it's, a, it's one of the great episodes. And it's, it's such a tiny moment, really, but wonderful, wonderful comedy. One of the emails that didn't make it in, but I almost didn't, it was so good, was about like how much... Um, 
It was like, shout out to Willa. Like, she had a hell of a lot more screen time in this season than Marsha did, for example. But for, and, do you remember for the first half of the series, we are saying, where's Willa? Yes, but then there she was. Yeah. And man, did she knock the shit yeah. out of that proposal. See, like, every opportunity, Justine, Justine, dear Justine, you fucking nailed it. And just know that people are talking about how good it was. I'm such a nice person. <laughs> Okay, keep going. Uh, number two, shout out to the unbelievable dessert table at the wedding. I, I did notice the food at the wedding, uh, but my primary feeling was thinking about it under that sun. I would have liked to have seen a canopy over some oh, of it. Oh, I felt that the, it, it was it was um, under the shade of a glorious tree. Okay. What it wasn't was the exposure of the siblings during okay. that okay. other sibling summit. Okay. And number three, disclaimer, this is not about the food. But can someone please get me on the admin for the Lucky Slack WhatsApp group? I, I, I love I love that that minions and assistants would have their own they messaging group on Slack. Glorious, Lucky Slack. Glorious. I wonder how much thinking up um, something like Lucky Slack or Bigot's Bigot is when you've done a hard day's writing, or if you're stuck. You treat yourself to something like that. Yes. Like writing daft jokes. Yeah. I need the day-to-day of the writer. I want to know all the writers' names that I don't know. I need to know so much more. It's like I, it's like I was thirsty and then someone gave me a sip of water. And you think I'd be grateful for that sip of water, but now it's almost like I just know that water exists. I need more water. How many hours would you need with him to answer all your questions? I'd want to do an hour a week for a couple months. Beefy Logan Voodoo signs off by writing, until next time, weeping. I think the the performance of uh, weeping and speaking at the same time might be beyond my acting skills, so do you want to do it? You well, see, that you would have had some I know, but I need, anyway. I need... Until next time. <gasps> Fuck off! Beefy Logan Voodoo. Ooh. Oh my God. It's beyond my capabilities. 
next one is from Andrew Beasley, a.k.a. The Bigot Spigot. I love that so much. It made me, I guess, for rhyming purposes, it made me think of um, sales out, nails out. Oh, yeah. And you just think, again, what... I just, I want to know. I hate when interviewers ask people, like, what did it feel like when you won the Oscar? And you're like, it fucking felt good, idiot. What do you think it fucking felt like? It felt good. Okay. But I, similarly, like, I'm like, what does it feel like the moment you go, oh my God, bigot spigot? What does it feel like when you go, oh my God? Nails out, sales out, nails out. Yeah, what what you want to know, is that the product of whoever's writing the episode, which I think in both those cases would have been Jesse, just sitting labouring over a but script? Is it, is or it is it Jesse? like a fun moment? Or is he working on this thing and someone, someone goes, oh, call it Bigot Spigot, and he goes, amazing, even though it's his episode. Yeah, is it him sitting there and working on the episode and getting to it in a room on his own is it once he's written the script he goes into a room with the writers and they're like i want this bit to be funny and and they go through 20 ideas before somebody gets to bigots bigger or sales out nails out is it there was a kind of clunkier version of it and they cleaned the crap out of it and, and got it to the shiny two-word version it's all this stuff that's interesting so interesting because any any writer you talk to they will will tell you it's the the job isn't writing it's it's cleaning all the yes that, sediment other and thing rock I keep off the diamond is when he said like when you were asking him about like the prison consultant and it, he's like that's the job like knowing what just the amount that we do and don't have on the prison consultant is the job yeah god it's great it's it's chiseling it's it's chiseling stuff Wonderful. away it's not the creating it's the chiseling the chiseling it's from Andrew Beasley, a.k.a. The Bigot Spigot. Dear John and Yoko, no. I don't fucking like that. I don't want to be the Yokes. Come on. I don't like her, and I'm sorry, and I know all the things about that, but I don't want to be Yoko. People have come around to her. I haven't. Especially in the wake of Get Back. I haven't come around to her. Now, let me be very, very clear. I do not demonize her. I don't think fucking Yoko... I don't, it is possible to have a neutral feeling on someone. And I do not think Yoko is this terrible bitch. And I don't fucking think she's a genius in her own right either. And I don't want to be her. Okay. How do you, how do you know that you weren't John? If I'm John, fine. But I just don't think I am. And I don't want to be Yoko. You must be loving all the Beatle references in this series of Succession. Jeff, I know I'm talking more to you. I, I am loving that. And then Bigot Spigot includes some bullet points of Beatles references. The debate about if they were a good or a great band. Kendall calling someone wild honey pie. I forget who he writes. Connor hoping McCartney doesn't tweet about his embarrassing headline. <laughs> Shiv describing her mom as Eleanor Rigby. There are no doubt... Others I've missed. Does it mean anything? Are the kids the four Beatles? Is Logan Brian Epstein and his death will leave them directionless? Is Tom Cynthia? Or, far more likely, is it just Beatles fan writers dropping these things in for fun? Jeff, give me your thoughts. Andrew Beasley, a.k.a. The Bigot Spigot. Well, obviously I enjoy it. Obviously, I'd love it if the whole thing was some kind of Beatles allegory. I don't think it is. I think from what little I know about the writers, there are some Beatles fans amongst them. And um, 
Jesse kind of said as much about himself the other day, didn't he? He used it as the only kind of pop cultural subject that he considers himself to have some depth of knowledge about, but then said not compared to a lot of people. We were talking to him about being a fan of something. Um, and, And it's a show that deploys cultural references expertly and and the beatles are there in the dna of pop culture even after all these years and that's what we've seen with the the, the kind of mini beatlemania around get back the beatlemania mm. for grown-ups so i think that's what it is i loved when we were talking to jesse that he had been watching get back and watching their collaboration made him excited about going back into the oh, writer's room and really collaborate. Beautiful. Because it is even if you don't care about the Beatles, just seeing the electricity of a collaboration and, and the complications of it is is amazing. And and also just another thing I want to mention is I have never had a response to a TV show like I have to Succession, where I have spent so much time thinking about the unseen and inner lives of people that I don't know. Mm-hmm. The only thing that I have ever had a similar reaction to is the story of the Beatles. So if you set the music aside, which is its own thing, mm-hmm. I'm endlessly fascinated. Endlessly. By the psychodynamics of that story, even bit part players. If you've watched Get Back, you'll see their big, gentle, giant, lumbering roadie, Mal. And I've I've thought about him extensively in the same way as here we are thinking about a Jess or a Colin. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what the similarity is, but it's interesting to me that I've these are the only two things that I've ever had that and I am more of a fan than I you're you're not you, you don't get into fandoms of things and it sounds like Jesse doesn't. I do a bit of various things, but I've I've never had that particular compulsion except with Succession and the Beatles, and I wonder what the similarity is. Well, they're both excellent. So Seinfeld. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I'm, I'm interested in the relationships. I'd have to think but, about that yeah. for a while. This is from John McKay. A.K.A. Kurt Cobain of the fucking floaties. Hi, Sarah and Jeff. I am the owner of some James Purse clothes this is uh, this came up in the speculation as to who jp yes on kendall's 40th guest list is but only the t-shirts as they are the best fitting t-shirts wow. i've ever worn unfortunately i've had to throw them out now after you said the kind of oh. clothes that tom Wamsgams wears when he goes on his holidays i am now on the lookout for a new t-shirt brand i'm really sorry to have done that to you i'm sorry to have done that to you if he was wearing the perfect T-shirt, because I feel like Tom's in a in a button down. So if he's literally thrown them out, which he hasn't, what he means is I now feel like an idiot in those clothes. I think we're talking about a button down or a chino, and maybe your T-shirt looks fucking hot on you. I think Matson might wear a James Purse T-shirt. I think you're looking more like Matson as he welcomes people onto his estate and less like Wamsgans. <gasps> I remembered the the thing that gave me a vaginal twinge that I was talking to Rebecca Taylor about at our live show. What was it? It was the way there's something about Tom that has turned sexual for me in the second half of this series. He's he's doing something for me. It's really, really weird. And it was when she comes home drunk and he's like, you're fucking hot right now. Let's Off- contrast that with when you come home having a more than two when you've occasionally crossed the line into two and a half or three drinks i'm like oh god we're gonna spend the whole rest of the evening with you going into a downward spiral about whether you're gonna vomit or not i'm sorry honey (laughs) i am awful 
Thank, Thank you, you. Kurt Cobain of the fucking floaties and apologies. But to summarize, I think if it's a t-shirt, you're in the clear and you look fit. This next one is from Jen Sutherland, a.k.a. Slab of Gravlocks. Hello, Jeff and Sarah. I was very tickled to hear you say fuck off stick man in season three, episode six. I'm the producer of said show in the West End. Now, should we give some context for anybody who might not remember it? Yeah. So basically, once when we sort of announced that we were doing a live show and we were doing it on the 12th of December, I had this one day where three different people that I know personally were like, oh, I saw you post about the live show. I would love to come see it. But I'm doing fill in the blank festive thing with my kids that day. So one friend was going to see Froze, some Frozen thing with her daughter. I can't remember what the other one was. And this one friend of mine was going to see stick man i was like fuck off with a stick like fuck you with your fucking oh i'm gonna go do a nice thing with my family for my (laughs) oh stick man fuck you come see our show i don't want to play to an empty room what about me what about my needs what about you what about your needs we're passing our child from pillar to post you're doing two hours with a neighbor three hours with a babysitter an hour with a friend we're not thinking about our son in the run up to christmas You don't think about your kid either. Fuck off, Stickman, and come to our live show. So that was the context in which I was raging at Stickman. So she, it, as it turns out, this was heard by the producer of that show in the West End. She continues. Would you like to bring your son to the show? We are running till the beginning of Jan. Do let me know and I'll arrange you some comps and a stickman goodie bag for your wee one. Wow. Here's the thing. I This makes me feel like I am Logan and Jean is one of the sibs. And my work is providing benefits that my son hasn't actually earned. However... At the end of the day, I am someone who loves to save some damn money. Oh, do I love shit for free. So I'm going to be messaging Slab of Gravlocks directly. Yes, please. I would love to. I'll email you later today. But I think, so Jean won't know that mommy got the tickets for free. But Jean will know if he gets like a goodie bag that none of the other kids get. So I'll, I will decline the goodie bag. But accept the free tick. What what if um Gemma was able to arrange a meet and greet with Stickman? No, I thought about that and I'm not gonna do it. And I think it's better for him if he doesn't get to go backstage. I find going up backstage quite uncomfortable most of the time. Oh, it's it would have been it my my mind would have blown apart with the privilege of getting to go backstage at anything. And I think it's better if he doesn't. I had a friend who was the swing cat in cats. Oh yes, you told me that. And I once got to go backstage at cats during the interval i found it quite disturbing to see all these cats drinking coca-cola and smoking but i want to say that my grandparents for my sixth birthday took me to see cats like in chicago and it was like the greatest night of my entire life and if i had gotten to go backstage as a six-year-old that would have been the most incredible thing that had ever happened to me and i want to deprive my son of joy all right finally and the last email of the series. And what we're getting here, I feel, mm. is a little closure. I think so. On a previous storyline. <coughs> Bless you. Thank you. It is from Zuzana Edes. A.K.A. Slime Badger. 
Who AKA writes? A.K.A. My Mortal Enemy. Who writes? I am so sorry. I wrote right after you've mentioned the coleslaw. I didn't want to humiliate you. I, th- I thought I was being funny. But I should have known better. Sadly, but earned. Slime badger. Sad emoji. Now, I was devastated when I read this. The idea that she felt bad. I could have wept. I could have wept like you watching the season finale of Succession. So I, Firecrotch, wrote back to Slime Badger. Oh my gosh, Susanna, I know, I know, I know, I know you were being funny. I too was just trying to be funny. Smiley face emoji. Thank you so much for writing in. I wouldn't have included the email if I hadn't loved it. And of course, I understood the spirit at which it was intended. Five kisses. Love, Firecratch. Then Slime Badger wrote back, smiley face emoji. Beautiful. I feel like it's like that moment in the First World War when the British and the German soldiers came up out of the trenches, played football, showed each other pictures of their sweethearts, had a festive drink. I might be describing Paul McCartney's Pipes of Peace video, but I, th- I think it's historically accurate. It's beautiful regardless. And and then got back into the trenches and started shelling each other. But but just for a moment at this time of year, there is peace, peace and on earth. love. Peace on earth. Peace and love. Peace and love. How is my Ringo? It's, it's not your worst. Well. That's it. That is it. Thank you so much. This email address isn't going anywhere, is it? No. I don't know how often we'll check it. When we're not when we're not podcasting, but it's not going anywhere. No, I think I will check it again in a in a week. So I'll check it next Friday and just see. I won't do anything with the information I get, but I'll have it in my heart. I'll I'll think of it a bit like a lockup or a storage unit. That maybe I swing by every now and again yeah, just to yeah, check yeah. in on it. Yeah, that's a very nice comparison. Check, check that there's no damp has got in. We'll we'll put out um, our live episode at some point in the in the very near future, and then at some point across the next year or year and a half we will do a retroactive retrospective retrospective you know one of them retro words of seasons one and two but we don't know when we have to take a little time to figure out how to make it as fulfilling as you want it to be because you know you want it but you don't know actually how much is going to have to go into giving you a decent product and and we're gonna have to figure out figure out what that effort is we've really liked doing this and I think it's turned out pretty well and we we don't want to do like a rubbish version of it no is there a song can I go out on a song I'd I'd rather you didn't oh (laughs) we're nothing without you we'll miss you as much as you miss us if that's worth anything love Firecrotch and Normcore fuck off 
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.